Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Interim Executive Director of Massachusetts Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers and Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program. Massachusetts Lawyers Assistance Programs are offer free and confidential consultations to Massachusetts attorneys on issues ranging from depression and addiction to how to improve your business practices. For more information, visit our websites at lclma.org and masslomap, M-A-S-S-L-O-M-A-P.org. I'd like to take a second to uh, thank our sponsors, Firm Manager by LexisNexis, a cloud-based case management solution, and SunTrust offering private wealth management solutions at suntrust.com backslash law. So a vast majority of the attorneys in the United States and Canada must keep and maintain IOLTA trust accounts pursuant to very specific guidelines established by the governing bodies in each state. Despite the clearly defined rules, which in most jurisdictions have been in place for years, some attorneys continue to put their license at risk by not maintaining these accounts properly. Today's guest, David Belinsky, a practice management consultant and advisor for the Law Society of British Columbia, will help us explore issues surrounding IOLTA trust accounting. David is also a fellow of the College of Law Practice Management and past editor-in-chief of the ABA's Law Practice Magazine and blogs at Thoughtful Legal Management. David, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Rodney, for having me as your guest. Absolutely. And I know that you have some strong opinions on IOLTA accounting, and I'm excited to have you here today to discuss those. Uh, But just to set the stage, can you explain a little bit to our listeners what we're talking about when we say IOLTA trust accounts? Certainly, Rodney. IOLTA, Interest on Lawyers' Trust Account, is a pooling of interest earned on funds in lawyers' trust accounts to provide funds for civil legal aid for the poor and to support improvements to the justice system. As you know, Rodney, a lawyer who receives trust funds must place those funds in an account separate from the lawyer's own funds. If the amount of funds are large enough, the lawyer can place them in an account where the client receives the interest. But if the amounts involved are too small to make that worthwhile, the funds are deposited to an IOLTA account, and the interest then goes to the IOLTA program and not the lawyer. These funds are pooled all together in the lawyer's IOLTA trust account, and the interest that's earned is then sent off to IOLTA. Every state, the District of Virginia and the U.S. Virgin Islands and provinces in Canada operate an IOLTA program. So why do you think that so many attorneys fail to properly do their IOLTA trust accounting? And I and I just have to say, I mean, and while I don't have specific numbers, an amazing number of the attorneys that I do consults with do not seem to have a firm gra- grasp on this whole issue of IELTA trust accounting. So what do you think the, the issue is? Uh, it's a good question, Rodney. Um, certainly, um, from an anecdotal standpoint, it seems that more lawyers get into trouble uh, due to problems with their IELTA trust account than in any other area. The operation of an IOLTA trust account is relatively straightforward in concept. You're holding funds 
under strict conditions, and you're required to pay out those funds in accordance with those conditions. And in the vast majority of cases, of course, this is exactly what happens. But occasionally there are problems. The problems that we see arise generally fall into three areas. The conditions under which the lawyer holding the funds change, the lawyers themselves get into financial difficulties, or the lawyer gets sloppy in how they maintain their trust accounting records. The first condition um, where the conditions change is something that the lawyer has to recognize and then seek appropriate instructions and in some cases advice from people such as yourself or one of the other practice management advisors as to what how they should govern themselves now that the circumstances under the file has changed. The second one, the lawyers getting into financial difficulties, is where the lawyers look at the trust funds and unfortunately, since they're in the glue, as the expression goes, they look to the trust funds as a source of funds for their own benefit and not uh, for the funds of impressed with the funds for the clients. And unfortunately, that's a professional conduct issue, which unfortunately every jurisdiction has to deal with. But the last category, where the lawyers get sloppy in how they maintain their trust accounts, I think in those circumstances, lawyers either don't hire a competent bookkeeper who understands trust accounting procedures or they try and do it themselves. As we all know, lawyers are not trained in accounting uh, when we go to law school, and they may not be familiar with um, all the steps and procedures that should be done within a time-sensitive basis to maintain their account properly. They may be pressed for time, they may be working on client matters that have to be done, and as a result, don't do things when they need to do them, such as postings, reconciliations of the accounts, Uh, balancing the accounts monthly, reviewing the checks and the charges that have been posted against the account to make sure they're all in line, and that sort of thing. It's detailed work, and in my opinion, it's something that should be delegated to someone who has the time and the knowledge to ensure that it's done right and in a timely fashion. Now, it sounds like you're suggesting that most attorneys should delegate uh, this to a bookkeeper or an accountant. is is that accurate? Is that would be your first piece of advice to someone? That is absolutely my advice to lawyers that their time and effort is best put into practicing law and they should bring in even if they're a solo, they should bring in a part-time bookkeeper and we have a number of bookkeepers up here and I suspect it's that the same situation in other jurisdictions that are familiar with the accounting uh, programs out there and are willing to come in one day a week or one day every two weeks, whatever the case may be, uh, for a few hours to do the postings, do the reconciliation, and ensure that um, the trust account, and usually the general account as well, is all up to snuff. Now, I don't know about you, David, and, and I apologize for throwing this this question in kind of out of the blue, but what I get from, from attorneys is, especially solo uh, attorneys, is that they cannot afford to hire that bookkeeper or accountant. Do you get a similar uh, response from a lot of solos? And if so, how do, how do you respond to that question? Um, I do get that pushback from a lot of lawyers, and I usually tell them that there are probably other areas in the operation of their practice um, where they can economize, but this is not one of them. Because of the statistics over lawyers getting into trouble with their trust accounts, this is one area that really needs um, a competent bookkeeper to ensure that everything is properly done, and um, they could probably look elsewhere in their in their practice to try and save a few dollars. The part-time bookkeepers are not terribly expensive, and um, in my opinion, it's money well spent. 
And it is kind of a mission critical uh, thing for them to do. Absolutely, it is. And the bookkeepers um, not only keep your books and records in good shape, but they can also provide a financial eye on your practice that can help you uh, in the management of your practice as well. So uh, uh, besides you know, us telling the attorneys to do it and suggesting that they find a, a bookkeeper or whatever, where, where else do you send attorneys to learn how to properly do their IELTA accounting? Well, in our jurisdiction, uh, we have a trust accounting handbook that we give out to our lawyers. We have also built an online course, a solo and, a solo and small firm course, that has to be taken by any lawyer going into a firm of five or less lawyers and completed within six months of launching their practice. And that online course covers many different uh, aspects of their practice, but primarily trust accounting so that they're up to speed on it. Uh, The Minnesota State Bar, for example, publishes how-to books on trust accounting for programs such as QuickBooks and NuCash, G-N-U-C-A-S-H, a free open source accounting system. Uh, the uh, OLTA website, www.iolta.org, maintains a link to the American Bar Association's directory of IOLTA programs. There are names of people listed for all of the U.S. states and most of the provinces in Canada uh, that you can call for uh, assistance for your um, trust account. Of course, we also tell lawyers that they should have uh, a trusted accountant as their advisor, and if they ever get into trouble, or difficulties, I shouldn't say trouble, difficulties with the operation of their trust account, they can always call their accountant and ask them for assistance on how to uh, properly make postings. And of course, uh, most states and most provinces now have uh, a person who's the equivalent of a practice management advisor um, in those jurisdictions. And you can always call your practice management advisor uh, if you have any questions on the operation of your trust account um, you know, depending on whether the circumstances under which you're tr- you're holding the trust funds change all the way through to just posting issues. Great. So, and uh, you and I, I think, you know, we, we travel in the same circles, uh, especially in these technology uh, issues that are, uh, arise for attorneys. And I see a lot of software products that claim to be trust accounting programs. Uh, and, you know, and I see a lot of attorneys that are using things like Quicken. Um are there any that you any software products in particular that you highly recommend to attorneys, and why do you like the ones that you you do recommend? It's interesting that you ask this question because I take calls from lawyers that are launching their own practices um, on a continual basis, and this is one of the conversations that I have with them very early on in that process about getting a good accounting pro- program right up front to avoid the kind of problems and difficulties that we've been talking about. I'll declare my bias right up front. I like accounting programs that have been developed specifically for lawyers. Examples of these are, and in no specific order, PC Law, Tabs 3, Adirant, ProLaw, Brief Accounting, LawStream, and the like. Now, as well, we're starting to see cloud-based systems such as Clio and Rocket Matter that provide trust accounting as part of the case management services that they offer in the cloud. To go back to your question of why I do this, I try to persuade lawyers not to use general accounting systems such as QuickBooks as they were not developed by lawyers, for lawyers or by lawyers. And as such, these different systems like QuickBooks have to be adapted to the process of trust accounting. I much prefer systems such as PC Law as an example that maintains both a general ledger as well as a trust accounting ledger that are integrated together 
and also provides practice management tools such as calendaring, conflicts checking, bring forward dates, and all the rest of that. This allows you to run all of the accounting systems for your practice from one integrated system that also brings in all the systems that you need to practice law in one place, so you're not running disparate programs across the board. It's a go-to place that will allow you to record the deposit of trust funds, uh, the billing of client files, the transfer of trust funds from trust into general when you render a bill. You can go in there and verify client deposits in, depo in accounts and all the rest of that from one place. As well, the developers of these legal accounting systems also have to keep them up to date if there are any changes in the law or in the trust accounting procedures from any particular jurisdiction. I think that's an added benefit. Part-time bookkeepers who know PC Law, for example, are readily found where I practice. PC Law happens to be the most installed solo and small firm trust accounting package uh, across North America. And as such, finding a part-time bookkeeper who's familiar with PC Law, who can set up your chart of accounts, who can uh, do all of your postings and reconciliations and keep you on the right side of this, the ledger, so to speak, um, is easily done. And they're familiar with the system. They can just step in and set you up and run with it. So just uh, uh, quickly, and a little little off our, our, our questions here, is do you know of any like one spot where uh, attorneys could go and get any kind of evaluation or reviews of any of these uh, legal-specific software programs? Well, I think probably one of the best places to get a review um, and, and some feedback is by calling your practice management advisor um, in your jurisdiction. On the Law Society's website, for example, I maintain a listing of case management time and billing and accounting software products that is in the practice advice area, and it starts from Abacus Data Systems and runs all the way down to Versus Corporation um, and tries to uh, delineate whether it's case management, general accounting, trust accounting, time and billing, and other legal-specific features in there. So that's, that's a go-to reference uh, site. Uh, but otherwise, I would say there's podcasts such as this one, um, the Practice Management Advisors, and as well, uh, the IOLTA organizations as well, that would have people on staff that would help you if you had any specific questions aside from your accountant and bookkeeper. That's a, that's a great list of, uh, of, of uh, helpful sites that, that people can go to. Um, and just let, let me ask you this. I mean, because it, it comes up quite a bit also. And when you we were talking about part-time bookkeepers, uh, is there any place that you would suggest people go to find, find part-time bookkeepers? Or do you find or do you know if there's like virtual bookkeepers uh, that people can uh, use in this industry? Oh, there are definitely virtual bookkeepers. I know a number of lawyers that set up uh, remote access uh, so that a, the bookkeeper can work from home and uh, do all of their postings into the lawyer's um, accounting system. Um, I don't, I can't speak for other practice management advisors, but right. I, main, I maintain a list of part-time bookkeepers broken down by uh, geographic location and the accounting system or systems um, in which they're familiar. And um, when lawyers start up in practice or change bookkeepers uh, uh -huh. or wish to change, um, they will call me up and I will give them a list of people that they can call, um, uh, uh, you know, to service their, their accounting needs. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a great resource to be able to provide for the attorneys that are members of the law society. Uh, it's it's time for a quick break and a word from our uh, sponsors, firm manager at LexisNexis and SunTrust. When we return, more for, with David Belinsky. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. If you like listening to the Unbillable Hour, you might also like the podcast, New Solo on LegalTalkNetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, joined by David Belinsky, Practice Management Consultant and Advisor for the Law Society of British Columbia. Uh, David, I also know that you've authored uh, at least one book and have a couple blogs out there. Um, and I want, uh, hopefully at the end of the show, you'll be able to talk a little bit more about where people can find you and get more information about uh, where you're blogging. But for now, I'd like to know if an attorney or firm finds a significant issue in their IOLTA account, i.e. there's an unexpected bounce check or they cannot reconcile the account perfectly, what would you, how would you advise them to address the issue? Um, the first thing that I would do is uh, advise them to deal with it immediately investigate and find out the cause. It could be due to a bank error, it could be due to an error in the lawyer's office, or unfortunately, it might be due to the fact that they have someone who is uh, misappropriating funds from their account. And unfortunately, that has happened uh, from lawyers, uh, from solos all the way up to the largest firms. One of the more common errors we find is where a lawyer has trust accounts with two or more financial institutions. And in this circumstance, the trust fund deposit goes into one account at one institution, but unfortunately the check is written on another institution, which means, of course, that the trust check is then NSF. This has to be corrected immediately in our jurisdiction, 
and uh, as well, it has to be explained in writing back to the law society. And I'm sure it's the same for most of the other jurisdictions. We've seen banks deposit funds to the wrong account, even though they were instructed properly to do so. We've seen banks um, wrongfully uh, issue charges against the funds in the trust account, which can result in uh, an insufficiency in funds when a a trust check is tried to clear and that sort of thing. In our jurisdiction, failure to notice and take action when any of these things, these events happen can lead to professional conduct issues. And as such, firms have to take action on these things immediately as soon as it comes to, to mind. Firms also, unfortunately, have had internal thefts from their trust accounts. The prime example is this, where um, a staff person who is otherwise stellar, diligent, in the office all the time, doesn't take vacations, doesn't take sick days, whatever the case may be, for some reason or another falls ill and can't come into the office. Another employee steps in to take over their uh, their job, and this can be a secretary in some circumstances, not just the trust accounting person. And then the, the person who steps into this role stumbles across something that triggers a deeper investigation, and then it turns out that the otherwise diligent employee was actually writing checks and diddling with the trust account funds and was very astute and adept at being able to cover it all up while they were in the office. Accordingly, it's important for a firm periodically to do two things. Number one, it's called the separation of duties, so that the person writing the checks for the firm isn't the one who does the account reconciliation on a monthly basis. So you've got two different sets of eyes going through the same sets of numbers. Also, a firm, we recommend this, uh, should periodically bring in their accountant without notice to do a review of their accounting, both legal and trust, to look at the accounts and just to ensure that everything is the way it should be. Well, I, I really, that I think that's great advice. And I mean, you know, it's an issue of, uh, some of it's an issue of not setting up uh, proper procedures and some of it's an issue of becoming kind of too trusting, right? Because it's always often just that long time, most trusted employee that causes the issues internally. That's exactly the case, Rodney. There was a, a big firm in Calgary. Um, I mean, one of the bigger firms in Calgary that had uh, a trust account uh, for a client that was in California. And the secretary was the trusted person, and she was the one that was administering this account. And then it turns out that um, she was actually writing checks to herself or paying off her own bills and that sort of thing. And she was very, very adept at covering the whole thing up for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. So it was, it, it, you know, it, you think, how does this happen? But these people are very, very skilled at it, and it's often the most trusted employee. Right, the the person that uh, the attorney has relied on for years often. Now, the other thing that uh, I w- just hope that maybe you could comment on quickly, uh, and I, I kind of apologize for throwing you in in this in on you, but one of our colleagues, Dan Pennington, uh, has written a lot about uh, these attempted frauds on attorneys, where uh, attorneys are getting large checks. Uh, bank checks or certified checks that they're depositing that turned out to be fraudulent, uh, and they're depositing in their IOLTA accounts. Do you have any advice for attorneys on how they can, you know, try to uh, reduce the risk when they're dealing with these unknown clients who are giving them large large checks to deposit in IOLTA accounts uh, kind of out of the blue? Uh, you know, Rodney, that's an, an extremely good question, very timely right now. We get calls all the time from lawyers who are dealing with 
um, what they have come to believe is a suspect client. Um, it, it ranges in a number of different areas. There are um, collection clients where you've been retained to collect funds from a debtor company and um, the, the check arrives at your doorstep and the client, of course, wants the funds paid out to them immediately. Of course, the whole thing is a scam and the check that you've been re- uh, sent is actually NSF. It's fraudulent. Um, and the attempt is by the by the crooks to have you write a good check on your trust account that they then deposit and they disappear uh, before you realize that the funds that you drew on were actually non-existent. Uh, we're also seeing it in the family law area. Uh, again, the same sort of thing. It's a, a long due payment from one spouse to the other that's finally being collected, the same sort of idea. Um, what can they do to um, guard themselves against this? Number one, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> the second, <laughs> unfortunately, the second yeah. is to um, monitor publications from their uh, jurisdiction. For example, LawPro, where Dan works, has put out many, many fine notices and publications currently on the state of the um, the latest frauds. And it, it behooves people to really be up to, up to date on what the latest scams are or check with their uh, specific jurisdiction to see what advice they can. But the third thing is, is just to treat everything as if it could be fraudulent. Um, when that check comes through, ask your bank to verify that the funds are in fact good um, be aware of the client that wants immediate payment out and wants you to vary from what would otherwise be prudent business practices on the handling of your trust account before you pay out. I'm sure you have uh, standard advice as well, Rodney, that you give to your uh, people in your jurisdiction. Well, you know, I, I'm very similar to you. I mean, it, 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 but in these economically difficult times, you know, I find that many attorneys are 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 too quick to jump on new clients and uh and jump on this you know too good to be true uh a client um and but it and it seems to me like also one of the things that we have to do is you know be very diligent about saying telling our clients even though that looks like a certified check i need to wait for 30 days or whatever for it to clear or uh push back on the clients pretty hard on that kind of stuff uh, given the the issues that that we're f- seeing out there and kind of the relentless uh, uh, number of uh, uh, fraudulent activities aimed at attorneys, and and you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, it really puts the the attorney at risk if they fall for one of these fraudulent uh, attempts to to steal money from them. Yes, we we have um, a couple of things up here that we've been telling people. We have um, pretty stringent. A client ID requirements now. So asking asking these rogue clients, I, I don't even know if clients is the right word, these rogues right. to, to provide proper ID is something that they avoid uh, at all costs. The other thing that we advise clients to do or lawyers to do with, with their new clients is to always ask for a retainer up front. And we've found that these rogue, these rogue clients will do everything to try and avoid uh, sending real monies back to the lawyer. Um, they try and avoid giving a retainer at all. And oftentimes those are two danger signals um, that may alert you to the fact that you're dealing with someone who may be a bit suspect. 
Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with us today. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Uh, David, I w- would like you, if you have a moment, to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and follow, possibly follow your blogs. I know you, you uh, write for at least uh, one and have your own blog. So can you uh, give our listeners a heads up where they can uh, follow you? Thank you, Rodney. I appreciate that. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, my own blog is called Thoughtful uh, Law or Thoughtful Legal Management, but you can find it at www.thoughtfullaw.com. I also write for um, a group blog uh, called SLAW, www.slaw.ca, um, that has many, many authors, including Dan Pennington and um, and others. Um, it's It's a wonderful blog on all things legal up here in um, in uh, in Canada. Um, the other thing that I would mention is if if any of your listeners um, are, happen to be around the Pacific Northwest area uh, in a few weeks from now, we have the Pacific Legal Technology Conference on Friday, October seventh, twenty eleven, at the Vancouver Trade and Convention Center. We hold this conference every two years, and it's a full day, nine to six, multi-track sessions. Uh, all related to uh, the application of legal technology to the practice of law, management, marketing, technology, finance, aimed at litigators, aimed at solo and small firm people, all the way up to big firms. Uh, We go into social media, we're going into the virtual practice, we're going into law, ethics. Uh, Everywhere where technology is taking lawyers these days, we try and touch upon it and give lawyers a real heads up on what's coming and how they can best use technology in the practice of law. I have to say thank you, Rodney, for having me as your guest on this on this program. It's been a oh, pleasure. Oh, well, it, it's my pleasure. What great information. I hope our listeners really appreciate it. And if uh, those in the Northwest, I hope that you can get up and, and go to the uh, – the the conference up there. I've seen a lot of the speakers, and they're all great. Uh, I probably, also, yeah? Sorry, Rodney. I probably should give the website. It's PacificLegalTech.com. Great. <laughs> My apologies. Great. No, no problem. Not at all. Uh, and remember to all our listeners, you can subscribe to this edition of uh, the podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. Also, feel free to continue this discussion on Twitter where you can find me at, at Rodney Dow. And I hope you'll join us again on the next on Bill Blower, the Law Practice Advisory. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. 
Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.